thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is That Paleo Show with your hosts, Stephanie Wozalik, Dr. Yana James, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Stephanie Wozlick. I'm Dr. Yana James. And I'm Dr. Brett Hill. Today on the show, we have fellow Wellness Couch podcaster, Dr. Ron Ehrlich. I first met Ron at the Wellness Summit in the Gold Coast this year, and since then, he's been on my radar as one of the pivotal people in the wellness movement. He is by trade a holistic dentist, and we'll get to what that means in today's episode, of course. But he has also become an expert at spreading the wellness message in many ways. One that I really enjoy is the podcast he does with Dr. Michelle Woolhouse called The Good Doctors. Dr. Ron is also a fellow and board member of the Australasian College on Environmental and Nutritional Medicine. He is currently chairman of the Advocacy and Policy Committee. He's also a member of the Australasian Integrative Medical Association, the International Association for the Study of Pain, and the International Headache Society. Ron has his own practice in Sydney, and he's been there for 30 years now, called the Sydney Holistic Dental Center. He spoke at the most recent Wellness Summit in Melbourne, and he never ceases to amaze us with the information he shares. And now he gets to be a part of the message that we're sharing as well. So welcome to the show, Dr. Ron Ehrlich. Thanks, guys, and thank you. Wow, what an introduction. I, I've got to remember to pay all my subscriptions. Uh, thanks for that. I'm looking forward to chatting with you. Well, at the date of recording, it is, in fact, Ron's birthday, so we have yeah. to give you your diligence. Thanks, guys. Thanks, thanks. We're really grateful for you taking your time out to uh, do this recording with us, and I know our listeners are going to love everything you've got to share, so it's cool. Great. Awesome. So, Ron, why don't you start us off by just explaining a little bit about what it is that you do? Well, I, I'm, I'm a dentist and I'm a holistic dentist. And uh, the most common question I'm asked is, what is a holistic dentist? How does it differ from a, an ordinary dentist? And uh, I say the answer is quite simple. Um, I'm, my primary focus with a holistic approach is on the patient attached to the tooth rather than just the teeth themselves and that kind of uh, changes your perspective on, on a lot of things you see um, in healthcare I mean one of the problems we've got in our healthcare system is it's a, it's become really a disease management system and that's what's so cool about the wellness couch and that's why I'm really actually quite excited to be part of it all because um, a health system that's focused on disease management is very linear in its thinking and by that I mean you know if you've got a headache uh, you take a painkiller. If you've got an infection, you take an antibiotic. If you're depressed, you take an antidepressant. Um, and, uh, and then the doctor might decide, should you be going to see an ear, nose and throat or a, an, orth- uh, an orthopedic surgeon? And so, you know, we're compartmentalized up uh, as though we're a whole lot of different parts, but actually we're a whole. And, uh, and looking at a person as a whole leads you into, uh, not, uh, that, that is W-H-O-L-E, by the way, um, uh, looking at them in a holistic way, which ironically is spelled H-O-L-I-S-T, but we won't go into spelling. Um, and, uh, and, that, and that just changes your perspective on, on things. So I guess, uh, you know, that's basically it. We're focused in a broader sense. And when you, when you focus on the person attached to the tooth, 
um, then you've got to be focused on a whole range of other things. How are they eating? What are they eating? How are they sleeping? How are they breathing? Um, are they well? Are they, you know, this, this kind of uh, opens up a whole other range of perspectives, which I think is kind of exciting and a neat way of looking at health. So, Ron, if I came into your practice then and I've never been there before and yeah. I, you know, am pretty healthy or, or straightforward, what what would I expect if I came into a holistic dentist? If I just wanted, you know, because everyone tells you you need to get checked up every yeah. once in a while, what could I expect coming in to see you that would be different? Yeah. Well, I think uh, medical, in our medical history, in our history, in the form that patients fill out, there are some important questions there. Uh, that most people may not immediately um, uh, connect with with their oral health. Um, you know, we're asking questions, I mean, obvious questions, and we're focused on teeth too. I don't want to give the impression we're not. You know, the issue around, yeah, well, you know, the the, the issue around <clears throat> the fact that the mouth is the, the, the site of the two most common infections known to man, woman and child, which which is tooth decay and gum disease, is, a, is an integral part of every dental practice and it's an integral part of ours as well. But we also ask about whether patients clench or grind their teeth. We also ask whether they suffer from headaches, neck or jaw pain. We're also then linking that to how they sleep at night. Do they wake up feeling refreshed? Do they wake through the night? Uh, is it easy for them to go to fall asleep? Um, we're looking at, we want to have a general picture of their digestion too. Do they suffer from heartburn or reflux? Are they regular in their movements? Um, because uh, reflux and heartburn and indigestion are kind of accepted uh, in, in by a lot of people. And uh, not only do they have a dramatic impact on people's oral health, I mean, they're a reflection of some pretty poor health in general. Mm-hmm. So we look at digestive health. We want to know about thyroid function. I mean, thyroid function you know, the number of patients that come in with uh, thyroid out, out of balance or either overactive or underactive is really interesting, very important, gives us a clue as to their whole metabolism. So, so you know, I guess, and, and then also clinically, um, when we, that's just the questions, you know. So, so there's a whole range of questions that I would ask somebody that I would link uh, perhaps to their oral health. They may not have considered those links. Mm-hmm. And then we go into an examination, and, I mean, this happens happens in a lot of dental surgeries and I, I suspect a lot of dental surgeries are actually a lot more holistic than they than they care to admit. One of the problems for health practitioners are when they hear the word holistic, they think it's some kind of new age philosophy and they, they're, they, they're very dismissive of the term mm-hmm. and yet I think patients love it and patients want it. They want to be considered as a whole person and not just a mouth or a tooth or a gum or a jaw joint for that matter and, mm-hmm. and so what we look at then clinically is we do an oral cancer screen. That's routine. I mean, when you go to a dentist every six months, your dentist is checking your lips, your tongue, your cheeks, your palate, the floor of the mouth, the roof of the mouth, the back of the throat. Oral cancer is now one of the top 10 cancers in Australia. So when you're going in for a regular dental checkup, um, oral cancer screening is actually the first step in my examination. And then we, we will check the, the health and support of the gums, which most dentists would do. We would look at obviously at the fillings and the teeth and the crowns and all that kind of um, uh, restorative work, see what condition that's in. But then we'd listen to the jaw joints. And a lot of people don't understand the significance of a clicking jaw joint. 
it can be it can be significant and it can be an important part of a chronic head neck and jaw pain problem because it indicates that a disc is out of place so we also would look at range of opening a normal opening of the, of the mouth is 45 to 55 millimeters that's about three fingers if you stack three fingers up and put it in your mouth that's how wide you should at least be able to open so i'm guessing you guys are all going to <laughs> right now, so i'll just yeah. keep talking while you check that one out sure, yeah. um, and, and then we also palpate muscles around the jaw joints the the the, the jaw the head the neck and uh, then we do also if people are you there yeah, 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 we're here, yeah. mate. You're doing yep. great. So, sorry, I thought you dropped out. Uh, um, and then uh, we also, if people do have some health issues uh, around chronic musculoskeletal pain, we also incorporate some uh, motor reflex uh, testing as well. So there's a whole range of, of things that I think define that. Sometimes we, we talk a lot more about sleep. We focus, we focus, that's a big focus in our practice, on sleeping well, breathing well, and eating well to be well. That's... That's part of my wellness program, which is called Simply Be Well, which we're going to be launching in the new year. Um, and, and that's looking at, at those three basic things, sleeping well, breathing well, and eating well from a unique oral health perspective. So nice. that's kind of a little bit of a clue as to how things work in my practice. Yeah, nice. And we love that, obviously, Ron. We love that holistic perspective. Obviously, Dr. Yana and I being chiropractors, you know, we, we sort of come from that same perspective of, of looking at the whole mm. body and, and, and working with the body. And uh, yeah. and I think that's one of the other things I really like about your approach is that, you know, it seems to me from, from an outsider looking into kind of dentistry that, that we just assume that, that ill health, poor dental health is the norm. Like, it's like we just assume yeah. that cavities are the norm. We just assume that overcrowding in the mouth is the norm <laughs> and that, that these are just things that are going to happen and we're going to have to deal with them and try and manage them when they do and and I know you've got a different perspective on that so perhaps you can talk about that a little for us. Yeah, well, when I got into uh, dealing with chronic pain, chronic head, neck, jaw pain, um, I, over the last 30 years, I've worked with a model of stress because often people say, hey, uh, you know, my, it's just a stress-related headache or it's a normal tension headache. <laughs> yeah. To me, there's no such thing as a normal tension headache. Uh-huh. headache. That's an oxymoron. Normal and headache don't fit together. So, so, you know, I have a stress model which I've worked on in my practice, worked with and help explain what I do. And that is to say, well, I think we all accept that stress affects our health. Yeah. But how do we define stress? And, and I define stress as a combination of emotional, environmental, postural or structural, nutritional and dental. Mm-hmm. And uh, I often get a raised eyebrow when I say dental stress and people say, oh, what do you mean dental stress? Never heard of that. Um, and, and one of the reasons I pull out dental stress is because the oral cavity, there's so many things going on here. For a start, 30 to 40% of the sensory and motor nerves in the body occur in this orofacial region. So there's a lot of neurology in this area. Um, secondly, uh, it's the gateway to the respiratory tract, you know, how we breathe. And thirdly, it's the gateway to the digestive tract. So, hey, if you think breathing and eating are important, you want to be sure that the the oral cavity is in not only good health but good shape. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that in a minute. And then, as I said, we're, we're the site of the two most common infections and a lot of health conditions, that is tooth decay and gum disease, and a lot of health conditions are now being seen as inflammatory. 
Mm-hmm. And, and the most common site of inflammation are gums. So that's the link between gum health and cardiovascular disease and a whole range of other, even diabetes, even cancers. You know, so this elevation of, of inflammation from gum health causes a, stra- a stress on the whole body. And as well as that, if people clench and or grind their teeth, not only do the jaw muscles tighten, but but muscles throughout the whole body tighten. So if you're looking for, I think this is what I, I work with a lot of chiros and osteos in, in Sydney and the people, you know, when people have a problem, I think that's a really good place to go, you know, to get it sorted. Where dentistry comes into it, I think, is when there's a lack of stability. So you adjust somebody and they feel better, but they need to come back every week or two or so for an adjustment. And, there's, and where there's a lack of stability, the jaw can play a really important role. And then that leads us into, well, up until five years ago, I I thought clenching or grinding of teeth was all about uh, people under stress or they were anxious or they were in pain or they had some nutritional deficiency. But now we know that people clench or grind their teeth because in, in 70 to 80, maybe even more percent of cases, because of sleep disordered breathing. That means they are not breathing as well as they should while they're asleep. And that is a very interesting area that we've been exploring over the last five years. And that's what you were talking about, Brett, about crowding being the norm. Yeah. I mean, you know, I have asked this question at the last wellness summit and I'll ask it, you know, I've asked it at, at many of the meetings that I, that I go to and, and I, and I ask people, how many people, and people listening to this show can now sit there and we'll watch them put up their hands. But um, how many people in Facebook run? They can let us know. That's right. How many people in the audience listening now have all 32 teeth? Now, 32 teeth is what 95 or more percent of the population have evolved to have. Like you know, we've evolved to have five fingers on each hand, five toes on each feet, uh, two arms, two legs. Well, we've also evolved to have 32 teeth come through in, in with lots of room in our mouth. That's what we've evolved to have. And I asked this question, how many people in the audience have all 32 of their teeth? That means all their wisdom teeth are through. They're not impacted. They're not crowded. All their front teeth are in a beautiful alignment. They're not slightly crowded either. How many people in the audience have, have that 32 teeth in a perfect alignment? And for my experience less than two or three percent now that's an extraordinary number you know like that means 95 percent plus of people do not have enough room for all of the teeth in their mouth now you know if if we didn't have enough room for all five of our fingers and we just kind of accepted yeah look by 18 everyone cool with the fact that the fourth finger is going to be cut off it's not a problem everyone happy about that and and i doubt whether we would have you know i doubt whether we would have the same level of acceptance that we do of this crowded situation in our mouths and the 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 significance of that is that the shape of the upper jaw determines the amount of airway you've got in your nasal passages and sinuses so you know ideally we should be breathing through our nose and, and if there's not enough room there that's a problem. And the shape of the, and position of the lower jaw determines 
how much space the tongue's got. So if that's crowded, the tongue's only got one place to go. You don't walk around with your tongue sticking out of your mouth. It's not a good look. Um, what you tend to do is you pull the tongue is pulled back and back towards the airways. So the potential for restriction of airway when 97% of the population do not have enough room for their teeth is a very interesting perspective for holistic dentistry. Yeah. Interestingly, Ron, I actually only grew one wisdom tooth out of my four. My yep. mom had two. So how do you yep. how do you explain that? Well, well, like I said, ninety five percent of the population do have um, uh, thirty two teeth. They've evolved. They do yeah. have thirty two teeth. But how do I explain that? Well, you know, my own daughter had a missing lower front tooth. So hey, you know, <laughs> go pick your parents. Go pick your parents. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it just happens. Uh, there's nothing. Um, you know, there's nothing unusual about it. I mean, it, 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 perhaps it's more common in our Western society that the tooth buds for some reason may not develop. Who knows? Yeah, because, because the interesting thing is that, that, um, to understand, and this is where nutrition becomes so important, to understand why that happens, you have to look at the diet of the mother and possibly the father at the time of conception and then the diet of the mother right through pregnancy mm-hmm. and then the diet of the mother right through breastfeeding and then the diet of the child for the first 10, 12 or for the rest of its life, really. Yeah. Um, so all of those things are, are critical in determining whether there is enough space for the jaw. And that work was done by a brilliant um, researcher in the first half of the 20th century called Weston A. Price. Yeah, we were going to West- bring him up. Good job. <laughs> well, you know, uh, how, talk about a dentist. I mean, uh, this guy was not only a dentist, but he was also turned out to be a nutritional anthropologist. Yeah. And he was trying to, he was trying to work out what caused tooth decay? That's what, that was his reason for going and exploring all these different traditional cultures. So he went to visit, um, Eskimos. He went to the Malay Peninsula. He went to remote villages in Switzerland. He went to, uh, the Peru, uh, uh, Indian, South American Indian culture in Peru. Um, he went to Southeast, South Pacific Islands and he looked at all of these different cultures and what he found was something extraordinary and that was that for those culture for those groups that were still in remote villages living on traditional diets they had virtually not only did they virtually have no tooth decay but they also had enough room for all 32 of their teeth in their mouth plus 10 or so millimeters behind their wisdom teeth on top of that they had no um they had no degenerative diseases there was no cardiovascular disease there was no diabetes there was no obesity there was no uh cancer in these communities so not surprisingly really when you think about it because if the hardest thing in your body a tooth decays imagine what's going on in the rest of your body so here the hardest tooth in the, the all their teeth had no decay and yet this was the really interesting part because when he looked at the same genetic group in fact in some cases family members that had moved into the cities or into the local towns and had consumed 
Western food, they displayed not only rampant tooth decay, but they also displayed all of the diseases of Western civilization that I've already listed. And for the next generation, they displayed narrow jaws and restricted arches and crowding. So that was a phenomenal piece of research. I think really one of the most important pieces of research that has ever been done and the implications of it are just incredible for our society. And there were some really important takeaway messages uh, that, that he came away with that. So, so uh, Ron, do you want me to share that with you? Why do you think this is looking at the airtime? Like, why do you think this is still so many years later, like, uh, you know, a new thing for so many people? Uh, it's amazing, Brett, because, um, you know, I've just written, a, I was just writing an article yesterday about um, why health messages are so confusing, and I've spoken mm-hmm. about that at the Wellness Summit as well. Um, and I think uh, I think there are a few reasons. Uh, one of them, uh, particularly over the last forty or fifty years, things have really gone downhill. I mean, I mean, one of the reasons is this food pyramid. <laughs> you know, the food pyramid, uh, which people can just Google, and you'll see there are five to six or seven serves of grain at the bottom with fruit, six serves of fruit, and four to five serves of vegetables, and avoid fats, and you know all this sort of stuff. So, so that is, and that has been endorsed by not only by governments. Um, by the way, that that came from the U- United States Department of Agriculture, not mm. their health department, mm. the United States Department of Agriculture, whose job it is to sell crops. Yeah. And that food pyramid gained acceptance uh, by major food companies because they would have loved it, and they then went on to, to approach thought leaders. And when we start to look at who supports some of the organizations in, in like the August, you know, the American Dietetics Association, <laughs> go and have a look who their sponsors are. There's Pepsi Cola, there's the Grain Foundation, there's probably even the Sugar Foundation. So, so they have have, um, that what the industry has done has not only tried to lobby government so that it becomes health policy, uh, but it's also lobbied um, thought leaders and it's gone into universities and it's gone into these associations, professional associations that you think should know better and have provided them with funding and support and research dollars. And so this public health message has become accepted and it is wrong. So that's number one. Number two is this ridiculous um, preoccupation which we've had in the Western world with low fat. And that's all been borne out over the last 40 or 50 years since some guy by the name of Ansel Adams. No, not Ansel Adams. Ansel Keys. Ansel Adams did some beautiful photographs. But Ansel Keys Keys was a researcher who published the Seven uh, Countries study which showed that saturated fat caused heart disease. And this was embraced by the health industry and embraced by the farm. It was a very, very simple, linear way of thinking. What causes heart disease? Fat. What, What causes fat? Saturated fat. So stop eating fat, you won't have heart disease. Uh, and, the, and the problem with that seven-country study was that he actually studied 22 countries and he just got rid of the 15 that didn't fit into his model. And, and uh, incredibly, uh, if people... I mean, we're very preoccupied with evidence-based medicine, and we should be. We should 
be. But the problem with evidence-based medicine in today, in today's world, is that it has been so hijacked by the pharmaceutical and the food industry and it, and it has flooded the world of evidence-based medicine and has completely distorted some of the important health messages that we need to be promoting out there and some really simple ones. And, and so the fat hypothesis has led us to where? After 30 or 40 or 50 years of eat no fat, we are now more obese than ever. We have diabetes in epidemic proportions. Heart disease is still number one killer. Cancer is number two killer. And we're now all suffering from vitamin D deficiency and osteoporosis. Hey, what a wonderful economic model that is. <laughs> but it isn't a very good health model. And I think that's why things have become so confusing. I think people, are we're, doctors included in this, are a little bit naive about the fact that when we get a health message, we just assume that health message is scientifically based and it's been refereed in a scientific journal and it is the truth. The problem is that uh, we're a little naive in the health world, both as practitioners and as consumers. If we were being sold a car... If, you know, if the question was, should I buy a Toyota or, or, a, or a, a Ford, I would know that the Ford company is trying to sell me a Ford and the Toyota company is trying to sell me uh, a Toyota. But when it comes to health, what we don't realize is that those companies that support research are primarily interested in selling product. And, and that has now been disguised in so many instances as, as uh, evidence-based medicine that it's become a distorted health message. And I think that's one of the biggest frustrations for us. We're all patients and for us as practitioners. And that's what I think, again, I say is so cool about, about the, the wellness couch and all the programs. We're just trying to get a simple health message out there. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you, Ron, and I think we're all definitely on the same page, and most of our listeners will be as well. Um, getting yeah. getting back to the dental side of things, do you kind of see then that trouble with the mouth is more of an early warning sign for chronic disease, or do you kind of see them happening at the same time, or one, you know? Well, you know, what's really interesting, and over the last five or ten years, you guys would have known this too or noticed this too, that almost every health condition is now being linked to poor sleep. Mm. Poor sleep, you know, and, and when we say poor sleep, we mean poor breathe, not, not only not enough sleep, but for even those people that might sleep eight to ten hours a day, they could still wake up tired, not mm. breathing well while you're asleep. <laughs> and that's why I, 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 in my sort of wellness program, um, as I said, simply be well, we focus first and foremost on sleeping well. Because if you do not sleep well, your body, firstly, you're not going to have the, the physical, mental or emotional energy or resilience to do what you want to do, what you know you should do. You know, I should exercise. I should eat this. I shouldn't drink that. I should, shouldn't smoke this. I should, you know, all these things I should or shouldn't do. You need to have the mental energy and physical energy to do them. And if you're not sleeping well, then you're behind the eight ball from the mo from day one. And if you're not sleeping well, your body's not rebuilding from day one. So I actually say to patients, let's focus number one on a good night's sleep. 
and we talk about sleep hygiene. You say, what's the difference in a holistic practice? I didn't even mention that. We talk about oral hygiene a lot in our practice, but we also talk about sleep hygiene. And that's a whole topic for another conversation. But, uh, but good sleep hygiene is where we start. So I do actually think that given the fact that so many people have um, narrow jaws and crowded teeth and so many people are on crappy diets where they're, they're not, um, their, their airways would not be in good health anyway. They may be allergic reactions. I think we have a serious health problem in terms of sleeping and breathing well. That is a number one health priority. That's where I'd start before I do anything. Yeah. So, um, to, this is probably going back a little bit, but your holistic approach, when yep. you have your um, people come in to see you, do they then attend a series of seminars or lectures? Like, how do you fit this into your individual sessions, or do you do it in a, like one to many, like we do it? Outright? Yeah, no, we 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 have quite a lot of written material. Great, um, and obviously, um, you know, you cannot stand on a soapbox and lecture people <laughs> for you know that's not we've got to tailor our needs to what the patient's needs are you just, just you because just I know all that paleo show don't you Ron that's right <laughs> <Surely>. <laughs> we'll just get on the wellness couch they can take their pick <laughs> yeah. um, but anyway yeah no I mean one of the things we, we do um, is provide information and that's on our webpage it's it's on our you know it's with, with handouts and stuff and then it's a journey you know we're on a journey together and you don't want to bombard people with too much yeah. What about your cool little business cards, Zone? You've got to tell us about those because they're awesome. <laughs> well, that came to me through a, a, a terrific naturopath in uh, in Melbourne called Steve Moratides, who who designed this uh, fold up card um, that is uh, it's got on it our not only our our address but it's also got the mercury content in fish, and which fish are sustainable and which have got high mercury content, and then it's also got another leaf on there about which vegetables you should definitely try and eat. Um, uh, organically and if you didn't want to those that have less pesticides in them and then there's another one about food additives so it's a really neat little fold-up chart that we give out at the wellness summit and goes like hotcakes in our in our um in our surgery and we're always updating it steve in melbourne is always updating it and he's an incredibly generous guy and uh, he always sends me up the updates so it's a it's a real wonderful little tool we have that's fantastic Awesome, Ron. I mean, I have so many more questions for you, so I'll have to pick your brain at the next summit. But we're unfortunately, we're out of time for today. Hopefully, um, you've inspired our listeners to either come see you in Sydney or come listen to you at the Wellness Summit or to seek out their own holistic dentist in their area. And you guys can use the Facebook page. If you guys have used a holistic dentist before, post where yours is, and maybe someone else on, on the page would like to go see them as well. Yeah, and, and even though this is going to air, obviously, after the most recent Wellness Summit, there are audio visuals available, and you will you can actually buy and have a look at Ron's talk if you want to too. Yeah, cool. Awesome. That's great. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Ron, and happy birthday. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks. Have a great day. Until next week, check us out on Facebook, share your story, and help to grow the Paleo Tribe worldwide. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter, The Wellness Couch. Streaming wellness into your lives. Hi, Dr. Lawrence Tam here from The Wellness Guy Show. 
You know, the big ahas in life happen mostly when we're out of our normal everyday environment, right? If you're in need of some big light bulb moments and want to do it in a very luxurious surrounding like Fiji, well, I got something for you. Alfred Chakros, Kim Morrison, Cindy O'Meara, Karen Smith, and my boys, the Damien Kristoff, Brett Hill from the Wellness Guys, and myself will be hanging out at the Western Resort and Spa in Fiji. We'll love to have you to be part of our first BFO wellness retreat in September. We're taking a small group of people to immerse themselves in discovering life purpose, physical health, and well-being. It'll be three days and two nights of unforgettable memories, definitely some massive breakthroughs, and of course, we're going to have lots of fun. For more information or book your spot, please go to shop.thewellnesscouch.com. That's shop.thewellnesscouch.com, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. Take care. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.